if Solomon says that's not it, that's not it. Hello, this is the Adventure Through the Bible podcast. My name is Matt. With me today are Eric. Hey, Matt. And Tracy. Good morning. Sound like a game show host. And Karen. Hello. Welcome to the show, everyone. Come on down. All right. You're the next contestants on Adventure Through the Bible. <laughs> that was ridiculous. Well, it makes me feel like there should be a prize at the end of this. <laughs> You get to talk on the podcast. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, uh, money in it that I had imagined. <laughs> Eric, I'm going to double your salary. Awesome. <laughs> Last week, don't fall for it. I've seen nothing. <laughs> what were you making before, Tracy? Nothing. What's double nothing? <laughs> <laughs> you get the brand I've gained. <laughs> you get a pile of brand new squat. <laughs> <laughs> Diddly. And, and, you know, it's a fair thing. Our, our, you know, if 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 somebody's out there listening, we understand there's a couple people. We <laughs> <laughs> wanted to. Yeah. Why do we do this? And we don't get paid anything. We take our time. We wake up early on Saturday mornings um, every week and we get together and we talk about this stuff and we don't really get, we, we don't, we do not get direct feedback. It's not like this is a game show where we get to see the contestants on stage. We do it because we enjoy going through God's word mm-hmm. and we have, we are a little tribe, an odd tribe we are an odd tribe. If you would have seen us walk into or out of Walmart, you would probably not put us together as. <laughs> I mean, we are super diverse. We are diverse people. But you know what? We have a common love for God and for yeah. God's word. And that supersedes everything. And we're friends and we lift each other up in prayer and support and humor and it is, it is a refreshing thing in this world. So, how long have we done this now? Um, we started in January of uh, 2020. 16 months. No. Was it? Jan- yes, it was in January. It was, it was a couple weeks into January, mm-hmm. and uh, this is episode 69. We've come a long way, though. Our our conversations have become deeper. Our prayers for one another have become deeper. Um, our appreciation for everyone's struggles has become deeper. You know, I think if we would have looked back at episode, you know, one through five, we we you can see there was uh, everything was separate, and now we've just become a unit. I, you know, I I think too when we look at it, we've been talking already now for twenty five minutes, and we barely hit the button because we're more. Um, enthralled in what everybody's doing on you know personally and Mm -hmm. we pray for people's tests we pray for people's struggles you know and i think that's that's part of the reason like we're saying that we we do this 
it, it's become much, much deeper than what are your thoughts on this chapter of the Bible? Mm-hmm. It's how does it pertain to your life? How does it pertain to your family? How does it pertain to what you're going through? And, and I think that's the whole reason for the study. I think gears have changed. I think we've grown. I think we've matured as a group. Mm-hmm. I think so. I do. Yeah. And you're absolutely right. The pers- purpose of the study is application. It's, 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 you know, how does it, how does it fit with a real person? And, and, um, you know, where, where are the places that we've failed in, in the interpretations in the past and how can we, how can we learn better what it all means? And, and, uh, the only way we can do that is bouncing it off of each other. And like Eric said, being so diverse, we come at it from such different directions. Which and, is so valuable. Mm-hmm. I'm shocked to find out that at some point I'm going to have to start thinking of our group as mature. I just realized that. Oh, uh, stop that way, Karen. Oh. <laughs> you say that while I'm wearing my Ghostbusters shirt and my water bottle's got a, a, a Superman thing on it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, never mind. <laughs> Who's mature? How dare you call me mature, Karen? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, you can't gain a little maturity out of Ecclesiastes, or at least like disillusionment and bitterness. I don't know where we can. <laughs> exactly, yeah, right? exactly. And, and that's what kind of brings us into that discussion is, is that we were we did read Ecclesiastes one through six this week, and we're, we kind of skipped ahead um, geographically in the Bible, but chronologically, this is about where it is because King Solomon wrote Ecclesiastes. We understand, and um, this is a book of wisdom. And it's different than Proverbs. Proverbs is a book of wisdom, too. But Proverbs is kind of more, I would just call it a book of bumper stickers. Um, yeah. Just kind of yeah. one-liners. Um, and Ecclesiastes is is kind of soul introspection. It is, it's a pretty, it's heavy. Ecclesiastes is heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And we were thinking about and we were talking about how people's weeks were going this week and uh finally like we said we were just talking you know a a band of of friends here and we said we should just push record and start talking about this um, because it pertains to ecclesiastes yeah and that's the value of the bible is it's not a it's not a dead document it's not just dead pages blowing in the wind it is in fact speaking to our lives today. And the reason that comes up, and you, you may be listening thinking, what is he talking about? We, we kind of go through how was our week before we push record. And we've had some, week to week, we've had some, uh, we have mixed weeks. You know, sometimes we all have like something really good, great happen. And sometimes we have something great that happened and sometimes something not great. And the discussion came up about some successes and some I, not failures, just we, unknowns in our in our week. I took an, a big exam this week that I had been worried about for roughly six months, <laughs> and um, and I did. I passed the exam, and now it's on to the real thing. And and I said, you know, life is. We we get the idea that it's a it's just, it's a it's a it's a climb to the summit, and once we get to the summit, that we just get to like live there, and that's where we stay. But it isn't. Um, life is not like that. It is not a series of false summits. It's, that's not it either. But it's, it's a progression. It's a journey. And there are some setbacks and some, some victories. 
But the idea that we get through one thing in this life and that it's all done, and I would venture to say that is true of heaven also. We don't get there and then it's just a static experience that, um, I don't know, that it's a, that it's, it is a journey and the journey itself has more value than the destination that we put on it because you can't come away with with anything other than that really in reading Ecclesiastes at least one through six. Yeah. My first note was this would be an incredibly depressing book if this was the only one we had and we only read the first part of it and we didn't know how the entire story ends. This would be an incredible downer. Yeah, the, this this book, it comes across so pessimistic. I mean, I can be a I can kind of be a pessimistic guy. I try to hold optimism in my life, but I I've lived long enough to be able to look at the world and go, yeah, that all just kind of sucks. And uh, and Solomon here, assuming this is Solomon, man, this guy can kind of make me look like Pollyanna. <laughs> you know, he's uh, <laughs> I don't know. Are you guys familiar with Pollyanna? Maybe not everybody is, but, um, you know, she's a super, super optimistic girl played by Haley Mills in a in a Disney movie back in uh, the 60s I think but um but yeah Solomon is uh it's kind of odd that he seems to be struggling so much at this point because we just came off of his huge building program that he's had in Israel with he's built the temple and he's built himself a big house he's built his wife a big house he's got he's got imports and exports going on between him and Egypt and other countries and and the, it seems like Israel is very prosperous right now, and everything is going well. And all of a sudden, it's like somebody put the brakes on Solomon, and he goes, eh. And I would kind of have to say, first, first I just got to get this out here. So when I was reading this, the only song that was going through my mind <laughs> was The Birds. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that. Yeah, we, I we just were, we put it out there from, from almost the get-go. We were commenting on whether we were going to wear our tie-dye and fringe jackets and bell-bottoms today for this for, for our discussion today. <laughs> in case you're wondering what that has to do with Ecclesiastes, it's Ecclesiastes 3. Um, yes. For everything, there is a season. I'm not going to sing it. And oh, come on. Time to be born, a time to die. Uh, it's it's the, the time thing. And yes, I'm sorry. When I read that, it was far too early for me to text you guys, but I was like, so did you want, I wanted to put the, that earworm in your head, but it, apparently I didn't need to. That was just there. Oh yeah. It, <laughs> it was definitely there. You, <laughs> yeah. you know, and I, I have to say if anything stuck with me and, and I went through this a few times only because just like Matt said, I think, well, here we go. Here's a personal reflection here, but Gina is, uh, my wife is the optimistic one in our family. I tend to be the pessimistic one, and I like to say I'm deeply entrenched in reality, and that's what this was. Yeah. And, and I, as we we were talking this morning, I think we're on episode 69, did you say, Matt? Yeah. So I don't think I've said this before, but this is kind of me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I look back, and about, I think it's been two years, going on three, Um. I, I, I thought myself, just like Eric was saying, I was sitting on the summit, you know, I finished my doctorate. I had a great job. Everything has been kind of a progression from, from my first degree as a analytical chemist. I thought that was great. And then 
I was done. And I, I told my wife the minute I walked across the stage, I said, I, I don't feel any different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What, what's the next thing? And then you go and get another, another bachelor's degree and something else. And, and I get my master's and something else. And then I get my doctorate and every, every time it was crossing the stage going, I don't feel any different. What's the next hill to climb? And sometimes you look back and just even us being here, it's like, you know, did I get that from my family? Is it, is it, um, that type A personality that, that nothing's ever good enough and you just have to continue to go. And I fought with that for like two years until, until Jed, our pastor was like, you know what? Everest is calling. And I Mm -hmm. thought, you know what? This is the next, next thing to do. And this was what I was reading while I was climbing Mount Everest. And, and you do, you have, Eric said this morning, it's like, yeah, I had a hill to climb and it was like Everest on one leg. And um, that's how it was walking all those days for like a month. And it was like, I had to get to the point where it was me and God. And it was like, when is enough going to be enough? Yeah. And that's when it said, you know what? Every day is part of that journey. So you hear me say that a lot during the thing. It's like, you know, it's part of our journey. Because if you look at things from summit to summit, it's like you're you're on that never-ending wheel, like the, the hamster wheel, I like to call it. And it never stops. And sometimes you just need to stop mm-hmm. and take a take a look back and reflect and see how much you've grown as a person, as a family, things you've accomplished. You know, your kids, we all we all have kids. And, you know, what am I putting in them? You know, am, am I making it to the point where enough is never enough? Nothing is ever good enough. Yeah, that's my spiel. <laughs> no, yeah, and this is. And this is, and, and to your quite unspoken question, is that, or was it just you that feels this way? But no, this goes, I mean, Solomon is laying it down here and he's experienced this. And he said in verse chapter one, verse nine of Ecclesiastes, what has been is what will be. And what's been done is what will be done. There's nothing new under the sun. Yeah. And in the 60s, they, they kind of thought, well, there's nothing new. It's like you realize how you thought you came up with that saying. It's actually you, somebody beat that to you. And you're just you're echoing that. And we all are. And Solomon knew this. There's an interesting I'll probably get it wrong. But the comedian Jim Carrey is famous for having it's attributed to him. I hadn't heard it come out. Actually, I did see him say it. He said, I wish I, everyone could be rich so that they would know that money is not the answer they're seeking yeah then you can then you can once you get that idea out of your head like that intangible goal of whatever that is you get that out of your head then you can focus on maybe stuff that actually does matter and it's not to say that you know if you can't pay the rent that that doesn't matter that does but Mm -hmm. we build this up like if i had a million dollars then i would have everything to no it isn't actually no i mean we've got from people solomon had We've read how much money and gold Solomon had. Mm-hmm. And Solomon's the guy writing this. If mm-hmm. it made someone deliriously happy, Ecclesiastes would sound very different. Yeah. yeah. Your wife, Eric, posted something here a while back that was very poignant. It said, everybody thinks, or a lot of people think they want to be millionaires. But what they really mean is they want to spend a million dollars. Yep. And it's it, that's not the same thing. There's a difference. There's a big difference. You know. And Solomon, 
Solomon knows that, and he's going through this. And to to this point, I guess the reason we're not going verse by verse is because it all says the same thing, more or less, mm-hmm. which is life's aspirations and and striving doesn't fill you with what you think you want. And he uses the word vanity a mm-hmm. lot. And like the the wind, you know, it's eating the wind. It's just like you can't get full eating wind. It's just not going to satisfy you. Life, it's interesting. I've visited Maui a bunch of times. I actually went to high school in Hawaii, and so I've got roots there and family connections there and so on. There is a little town in Maui called um, Hana, and it is kind of at the southeast tip of the island of Maui. And to get there, you have to leave from the main town, Kahului, and um, I don't know, it's like 300 and, I'm, I'm guessing, 300, 400 turns to get there. And it's linear, it's only about 20 miles-ish. Uh, I could be killing some of those numbers, but basically the point is you're zigzagging back and forth. And, and I don't mean like it's a 20 degree turn to the left and to the right. I mean, like it's a 180 degree turn. And you're, you're going, you're z- literally going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth the whole, the whole way. It could take you three or four hours to get there. Wow. But here's the thing. It should take you longer. Because Hana, it's, it's kind of just like, a, I don't know, there's probably a couple stores there and uh, maybe a business or two. It's tiny. It's nothing. It's kind of like a little tiny town on the prairie, except it's in you know, lush Hawaii, right? It's just this little tiny nothing of a... T- the town is not the destination. You, you get to think, like, we're going to go to Hana. And I heard somebody say, it was on another podcast that I was listening to, that he this guy lives in Maui, and he said, okay, we're going to go to Hana, and, you know, we'll be stopping a lot along the way. And we'll meet you when we, we, when we get to Hana. Take your time. And... They were going, you're doing this this back and forth. Now, the thing is, you got to understand is that at each of these turns, if, if you're if you're turning and you're in towards the island, there's probably a waterfall at that turn. And mm. if you're doing the turn out towards the ocean, there's some kind of insanely amazing ocean view. And you're zigzagging back and forth between waterfalls and ocean views and waterfalls and ocean views and incredible valleys, right? Well, this person who lives in, in Maui, they got about two hours into the trip, pulled over to look at a waterfall. Um, said, hey, we, we're on the road and we haven't seen you yet. They're like, oh, we're here already. We're in Hana. He's like, what? Why, why are you already in Hana? Well, we just raced to Hana. He's like, you missed the whole thing. The mm. end is not the destination. The journey yes. is the destination. And if you raced to the destination, you missed the whole point. And that's and that is exa- that's exactly what Solomon's getting at. And and I'm with you, Tracy. Honestly, like I consider it realism. Like I I consider myself to have a fairly neutral view of the world. And when I look around at the world, like I'm not particularly encouraged. So there's that. But I don't I don't consider that pessimism. I consider that realism. Like I'm seeing what's actually there and what's there ain't great. So it's like, uh, why are we struggling so hard? Like, what are we fighting for? What are we, you know, all of this is meaningless, 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 right? And then I'm then I'm right there with Solomon. So verse three of chapter one is the question. Yep. What yeah. do people gain from all their labors at which they toil under the sun, right? 
And then here goes this seven verse sort of summary. Generations come and generations go, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises, the sun sets and hurries back to where it rises. The wind blows to the south and turns to the north. Round and round it goes, ever returning on its course. All streams flow into the sea, yet the sea is never full. To the place the streams come from, there they return again. All things are wearisome, more than one can say. The eye never has enough of seeing, nor the ear its fill of hearing. What has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which one can say, look, there's something new. It was here already, long ago. It was here before our time. No one remembers the former generations, and even those yet to come will not be remembered by those who follow them, right? So what do people gain from all their labors at which they toil under the sun? And and he and then he, he starts to break it down after that. Like first he looks at wisdom, because we all know that early in his reign, God said, what can I give you? And he said, give me wisdom, right? And so he, he was given wisdom, and he's known as the wisest man that ever lived. So first he talks about wisdom. Wisdom is meaningless. Then he talks about pleasures. Pleasures are meaningless. And he goes, and he kind of like, then he talks about work that he's done. And then toil is meaningless. So he kind of starts to break down the different aspects of life. But I'm with you, Eric. Like I'm, I spent a long time living in Alaska. And I raised a couple of kids up there until they were teenagers. They were teenagers when we moved here. And uh, there were there were times when we would get up in the morning on the weekend when we didn't have anything to do. And I'd be like, do you guys want pizza? And what that meant was, do you want to wander in the car half the length of the state, listening to loud music and staring out the windows at the scenery and go to that one pizza place in Denali Park? That's what that meant. That was hours from our house. Mm. And then, and so by the time you go down there and you hike around and you look at stuff and you breathe the air and you admire, you know, you admire Denali that's sitting right there and you eat your pizza and you go home, well, you've blown most of a day or all of a day. And, and the answer was always a very enthusiastic yes. So yeah. it becomes exactly what you guys are saying. Like the journey is the destination. That step-by-step, step, that enjoying what you get up and do every day, like that is the destination. And so how, how do you disconnect from these smaller goals of achievement, climb the next mountain, reach the next pinnacle in my career, attain this next level of education like whatever that thing is how do you disconnect from those tangible goals and somehow hook into the intangible goal of happiness or contentment or satisfaction i mean think if you think about the apostle paul in the new testament at one point he says i've learned in whatever situation i found myself to be content and i'm like dude that's the magic of the universe right there i swear it is yeah you know that stuff is tough yeah. We'd rather go with the intangibles because we can measure whether we got it or not. Yeah. So, you know, too, when I was looking at this, I, I hadn't got to share with you guys this, this week, but we've had some losses in our in our family. I lost an uncle and I lost uh, a cousin here just in, within like the last five days or so. And, <sighs> and my uncle was, he was the one that kind of introduced me to uh, music. So fitting, this was his era, was the bird. So it, it mm-hmm. kind of kind of struck home but what came out of my reading this time was and it's going to be just kind of one letter word and you guys are going to go what but obituary 
and mm. I was talking to Regina about this a few nights ago, is that that's it's kind of the the summary of your journey. And um, so when I was looking at this, and I, I'm there's a great potential I might catch some flack for this, but um, his obituary came out on Friday, and it was to me. This sounds bad, but it was like a two-liner. He lived, he died, he had a couple kids. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know what? That was almost heartbreaking because even though we might not have been super close, he gave the world, to me, a lot. There was all, you know, all those nieces and nephews that he introduced to music that that when you, when you go into to my man cave, that's kind of what it is. It's music all different genres um and when he came to visit you know a few years ago to my house i took him downstairs i was like you know what this is kind of my like homage to you you know this is where you kind of got me and and i told my wife it's like just to get a two-liner i'm like Mm. it it didn't reflect the journey how many people he's touched and, you know, I think it, that's one of those things that this was my pondering this week is what will my obituary look like? Hmm. What have I accomplished on the journey? Where, who have I touched on the journey? Yeah. You know, and I think, too, as, as we, you know, we joke around and say, you know, as we're maturing, are those some of the thoughts you have? What, a, what by all this, you know, acquiring all the knowledge we could, doing all the best work we could, you know, doing all the toiling, what does it amount to? If you didn't do it with, you know, and we've said this in the in the in previous segments that, you know, even with like COVID and everything else, did I have love for someone else? Were they able to see that? You know, and I think that was kind of the reflection that I got this week from, from our reading too. It's like, what am I accomplishing and who am I touching and how, Mm -hmm. you know, and especially to like our kids, we talk about our kids all the time. And, you know, I think that's the part of being content, you know, get, did I, did I share what I could, did I share my journey? Did, did I share my love of Jesus? Yeah. You know, because I, I do. I when when my kids have hard times, I want them to look back and go, you know what? What would my mom and dad do? Well, I think they would get on their knees and I think they would pray. That's you know, that's part of the this journey that I saw, you know, and, and reflecting off what we read is, you know, what do we do to, to, to Karen's end to be content in every situation? And I think it's that faith and that trust in God. I okay so for those who don't know quite what's going on with me I went back to school and got my masters after my kids were grown and out of the house and gone and so I've I've always been the kind of person when I was young like I did not have goals to grow up and get married and have kids like those weren't my goals like I wanted to I wanted to you know finish college and get into the into some kind of business field and like make a difference in the world. That's what I wanted to do. Well, then I start taking care of someone else's baby, just a few weeks old, like he's five weeks old. Yesterday he turned 29. (laughs) Mm -hmm. He's still mine, right? 
and two and a half hours on the phone. And at the end of it, he says, well, thank you so much for raising me, mom. He goes like, you're still like, you're my, you're my anchor when I am having a problem, when I'm trying to think something through, like it's your voice I can hear in my head. He goes, you're, you are the primary installation of my moral compass, of my life guidelines, of my ideas of structure and what's right and wrong and how you prioritize things. And I was just like, oh my gosh, you're making me like so happy right now <laughs> because, because I, 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 I made a difference in the world. By, by making a difference for him. And and so, so as I was thinking through, and that conversation, of course, came after studying through Ecclesiastes. And currently what's going on with my master's is, so my master's is in mental health, and I finished the book work last mid-December, but I haven't been able to find an internship that will, will allow me to license because there are a bunch of restrictions on the industry because of COVID. And those restrictions aren't keeping the industry from functioning, but they are making it difficult or well nigh impossible to bring people in and do an internship with and for them. So that's the complication. So I'm sitting here and I have all this book learning and I have no place to go put it. And so through all of this sort of fitting together, I promise I'm getting to my point. One of the things that has come to my attention is that I ended up in a position where during my kid raising years and during my married years, I felt like I had enough effect on the world. Like if I could make those relationships good and, I could, and if I could be happy with those people, that was enough for me. When those relationships went away, I wanted more. I, I, all of a sudden, I found myself wanting my master's. Like, I wanted a way to positively impact the world, but I'm kind of, like, I'm not a huge extrovert, so it would be, like, in a small scale, like, one person at a time. I'm kind of a behind-the-scenes person. And I saw my master's as a way to do that, like, a way to, in my own little way, just make a little splash. Like, I, I don't need to lead armies. I don't want to lead armies. Please don't make me lead armies. But put me in a room and let me talk to somebody. We'll get some stuff sorted out and their life will be better because of it. And that's what I really, really wanted. And so now here I am stuck without an internship and I feel I, I'm reading Solomon and I'm looking at my own course in life and I'm like, I'm feeling frustrated because I can't do the good. I can't help people make the changes that I want to be able to do. And I'm like, am I just being vain about this? Like, do I need to just sit back and develop some hobbies and let go of these long-term ideas? I don't know. It was a little sobering this week and also very gratifying to talk to my son because here he is 29 years old and, and my, my daughter's 27 and they both respect me and they both consider me a good confidant and, and a good pillar in their life. And to me, you know, as a parent with adult children, that is like the highest compliment I feel like I can get from them. Mm -hmm. that's awesome yeah it's interesting to me hearing both of you talk because i think i think you are coming to the conclusions that by the time we get to the end of the book which will be next week but um <laughs> those are the conclusions that solomon ultimately comes to but you know in what we read this week really i mean you know his point of view here would be well i'm putting all this work in 
and somebody else is going to reap the benefits from it. Ultimately, I'm going to die and either my kids are going to take everything or somebody else can come in and get it all. And we all ultimately end up in the same place. Everybody, we're all mortal and it really doesn't matter what we do. Doesn't matter how much you accumulate. Doesn't matter how good of a time you have while you're here. Uh, you're going to die. And everything you worked for is going to go to somebody. It, it, you don't get to keep it. You know? And uh, I, I mean, there's there's great wisdom in just that, though, too. In that understanding. Because it, it baffles yeah. me when I look in at, at some of the things in history that have happened you know, the the big grand scale things in history that happen like, I mean, you think about the Holocaust, you know, think about guys like Hitler. Think about guys like Kim Jong-un, uh, any of these guys who they really press their advantage. They really push for for something really hard that lifts them up in status. But ultimately speaking, what do they gain from it? Absolutely nothing. You know, for a while they have something right now uh, and maybe they're enjoying it maybe they're not i would suspect maybe not because it seems like they keep pushing until and and keep hurting people in the process but i mean you look at say hitler and we look back on hitler and what's his legacy everybody hates him everybody hates him i don't you know i mean nobody who's rational at all looks to to the legacy of of adolf hitler and thinks Gosh, you know, that guy did some great stuff. You know, nobody, at least like I say, nobody rational. There are some very misguided people out there who who might think differently. But yeah, there's just a there 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 is a there's a certain futileness, if that's a, even a word, oh, yeah. of of pressing so hard for these advantages all our lives, mm-hmm. constantly looking for the for the next thing. But yet, I think we also have an inner drive to want to do better. I mean, I don't know. Sometimes I'm very happy with the level of of mediocrity because because it's comfortable, you know. But at the same time, inside, you always know eh, there's something I really could be doing, should be doing to make myself better. But how hard do you push at it? How much effort do you put into it? What are your reasons behind it? There you go. And and um, if it's just to li- if it's only to lift yourself up, that's futile yeah see yeah. i think your question isn't you know should we push or 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 not is it's i think the question would be why that's the bigger one because solomon here and this is worth this is worth the introspection because if we're in the car back to the road to hana thing and we think that the that the the whole purpose of the journey is just to get there and we find out oh there's a couple knickknack shops and a we can get a sandwich then we're like, this is it? And ultimately, that's what Solomon is telling us, is when you get to the end of the road and you have all the things you want to have, you know, just a little spoiler alert here, Solomon tried everything, okay? He had married, what, over a thousand women, concubines and wives, and we'll get to that later, but he's like, no, that's not it. Come on. If if Solomon says that's not it, that's not it, okay? Mm -hmm. (laughs) If... If he's made more money, and I mean, we've done some of the math and how many, I mean, he measures gold in tons, right? Not like coins. Like, I have a Bitcoin. Good for you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and he's like, that's not it. 
And it's like, well, I'm building this new thing. Well, we read what Solomon built. And at the time in the world, there was no parallel anywhere. People came from the farthest corners of the world to just to see the stuff he made. And Solomon's like, that's not it. And it, when it came to pleasure and self-indulgence in chapter two, he finishes that. And he's like, yeah, behold, all was vanity and striving after the wind. There was nothing to be gained under the sun. Like, well, he's telling us that's not it. He does drop some clues later as to what is it. But we need to be aware that there is a there is a supernatural, invisible conflict behind the scenes that has very visible results. And I'll use this term generically, the world. And what I mean by that is anybody who is not focused as on God's kingdom as revealed in the Bible, that's what I'd call the world, is, is pushing a different agenda. And I think we need to be careful because Jesus, let's not forget, Jesus was crucified by the religious and political leaders of the day. So just to say that, like, well, I have religion, that's not necessarily aligning yourself with God's side. Jesus says in Matthew 7, not everybody who says to me, Lord, Lord, is going to be getting into the kingdom. Okay, so just because you're wearing the T-shirt and have the bumper sticker doesn't mean that's you. So the world is aligned to get us to think that self-indulgence is the key. Professional accomplishment is the key. Financial independence is the answer. You name it, you just go on down the list. And Solomon's telling us, no, that's not it. That's not where it's at. And that introspection and thinking now, while we still have a chance to look out the car windows, is is wise. And we should be paying attention to, well, what does matter? That's That's along the lines of what I've been thinking, sitting here listening to everybody talk, is like... <sighs> You know, well, the, the point of life is to find contentment in your day-to-day workflow and home situation and things like that and let go of these kind of smaller agendas that, you know, feed our ego and made us feel like we did the next thing and really aren't the point, right? And so for me, one of the tricks of being human is to balance this, you know, settle, settling back, say, settling back and just learning to enjoy my life and the things that happen every day and my ongoing relationships. And then from a spiritual stance, when I look at where we are in the world's timeline, which according to Revelation is the church of Laodicea, that church has a problem. They are rich and increased in goods and have need of nothing. And they have, in a grand sense, a large sense, settled back to enjoy the things of their life, and they have stopped looking any higher or reaching any higher. So there's a strange balance point where I think we need to remove the requirements of quote-unquote success from the details of our life. Obviously, you have to be able to pay your bills and whatever like that, but that's if you remove the requirements from the smaller details of your life and instead you put those requirements for intensity and accomplishment or whatever meaning, let's go with meaning, that's probably the best word, and instead you put that on spirituality, on your connection with God. And it, it kind of, I think, I think that it would help people remove this world as the set of, of attainable goals. And again, you get into that 
tangible, I can actually achieve this thing versus the intangible, I can't achieve this thing, I simply feel it. And that is difficult. I, I get it. That's difficult. But I think that in order to shake loose from the spiritual lukewarmness, you have to disconnect from the smaller things, take the importance off of them, and connect harder to the bigger things, the spiritual things. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. I think that's where Solomon's going. Yeah. And so let's do. Let's take a minute and talk about. We've talked about what it isn't, um, and it's a lot of other things that it isn't. But Solomon does drop a number of things in here that it is. At least in the first half here, and he gets to some other things in the second half of Ecclesiastes. Here's a few few things that he says that it is in uh, chapter two. 24, there is nothing better for a person that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his Mm -hmm. toil. So he is talking about enjoying things here. And interestingly, he talks about work. Think about this. The the contemporary world we're in is set up entirely to say, no, avoid work. At all costs, avoid work. Your goal in life is to do no work. What's the best destination you could possibly have? Is it sitting somewhere with a drink in your hand and no work? And Solomon is solidly saying, no, actually, literally, this is what he's saying. There is nothing better. Those are his words, not mine, for a person than he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. But then he follows up. This also I saw is from the hand of God for apart from him who can eat or drink, who can eat or who can know, have enjoyment. Mm -hmm. So he talks about joy. But he does not separate our joy and contentment from our walk with God. That reminded me of a situation back when I was first uh, getting into the electrical field. Well, maybe not first, but it was early on in my career. And I was working for a contractor. We were remodeling a kitchen. I don't remember why the conversation went where it did. But he said he's telling me, I haven't had a day off in 10 years. I said, well, why are you working? For my retirement. No. Okay. Um, okay. <laughs> I mean, the idea of, I mean, yeah, I mean, I get it. I get it that, you know, we can't spend our whole lives, like Eric said, sitting on the beach with a drink in our hand, but working towards some of those moments now and then, that's what makes life kind of worth it. You yeah. know, enjoying what you've worked for. Not 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 constantly working so that it's your end of your life. I don't know. I mean, I, I mean, I know that I I get it. There's a balance. You know, you have to prepare for things, but but spending your life just working. I mean, that's the kind of thing that Solomon was talking about. It's like, you know, that's that's the stuff that's worthless. It's but you can and should be enjoying the things you work for and that makes the work yes. worthwhile yes and he does see he does use the words joy here a lot for for those yeah. who, who of us who have had self-identified as deeply entrenched in reality um, <laughs> yeah, i like that phrase does use the word joy a lot and it shouldn't be overlooked you know and we get into chapter three which is there's a time for you know, a time to be born, and a time to die, a time to plant, and a time to pluck up what is planted, and so on. You guys can read that. Mm-hmm. We should write a song about that. Yeah, <laughs> we should. I, I've got a melody in mind. I'll hum I'm, it for you afterwards. 
I'll go out and I'll see if I can find something on that, and we'll post it on the Facebook page. <laughs> so we've so we get through the time for all these things, and Solomon does address. This is chapter three, verse nine. What gain has the worker from his toil? I have seen the business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. He has made everything beautiful in its time. And again, man, to Karen's story and to bind the road to Hana, look out the window. Look at as you're going. That's the point. He has made everything beautiful in its time. And this line is key. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart. Mm. Is that there is something in us? It, there's just something in us that says, "Man, there's got to be more." It's like a universal thing. You can't go to any tribe or any group of people or anything, pretty much anywhere except for us, really super smart people these days who say there's nothing else, nothing else in the world. It's like, yeah, why is everybody saying no? There's more. There is more to this than meets the eye. Solomon says, "God put that eternity." into our heart. Yeah, isn't it fascinating that we have this concept? We can't quite grasp it, but we have a concept that things go on beyond us. That they go they go pat you know, from from our from beyond our past and beyond our future. We can grasp that there is that concept there and and it I don't know about you guys, I, but I mean just that idea alone fascinates me. The, the eons of time and what what's out there and and the way that God has formed all these all these things and not just a, not just an eternity but in, in a in a I don't even know the word I'm trying to think of you know everything you know because you think what's everything okay but what's past that you know right. and and we can think of these concepts and they blow our minds and why you know yeah so just just having that concept uh, in my head is is kind of fascinating to the point. I mean, I can't even really articulate it, but um, but it's interesting that he follows that with something he puts he puts this like super absolutely the ultimate metaphor you know metaphysical thing about eternity, mm -hmm. and he follows it yet that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. Basically, he's saying yeah. you're not going to figure this out. Right. Like, just be okay with not figuring. And then he follows it up with something super practical. Chapter 3, verse 12. I perceived that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and do good as long as they live. And also that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in his toil. This is God's gift to man. I mean, that's pretty practical. You mm -hmm. get your hands around that. He basically is saying, you've got eternity in your heart. Yeah, acknowledge that. You have this thing that's like yearning for something bigger, but you're not going to figure it out. You can't figure out what God did before you and what he's going to do after you beginning to end. You can't handle that. But what you can do is be joyful, enjoy what you eat and drink and the work that you do and do good. I mean, it's those are things that, that our hands can get on that. Mm -hmm. It's very yeah. practical. Yes. Well, in uh, chapter three there, he's, you know, again, he's talking about things that, um, well, like in verse 16, he starts talking about how we can see that not everything is the way it should be. We recognize injustice. Yes. But then he also, he encourages us, understand that God will judge eventually. 
there's a there is a time for all these things to happen which is you know we just got through the lyrics of the song (laughs) and but there is a time for everything so there's the times for the things that are going to be good and things are going to be bad but ultimately god is the one in charge god will judge these things god will make sure that things happen the way they should even if it doesn't happen right now even if uh your experience right now isn't great have faith you know if we're going to believe in that eternity if we're going to have that concept of eternity that we were just talking about understanding that our time right now is very small it's very finite and but or at least what we're experiencing right now yeah but when we get into an eternity and we believe that that's in store for us be confident that justice will prevail because god will take the time to make sure that it is made right mm-hmm. it's a difficult thing is that we're in we're in one space one point in time i think the coolest illustration that i saw of this and i wish i remember the speaker's name he was talking about eternity and he had a rope on stage it was a white rope so you could see it and he was holding the rope and he said we are right here and it was the end of the rope you know it had just been cut off and he said and our life and eternity starts in our life right now is just this much and he holds up his fingers like it's a millimeter It's like, that's how much our lifespan is. But here's what eternity looks like. He said, now picture the picture, this rope. And it like it was a big church and it was winding all, you know, around between the pews and and it just kept going and going and going. The camera shows this rope going and then it goes out the door and it's gone. He's like, that's eternity. I was like, oh, where we are, our tiny slice. And then you watch how much time is after our time. And then the, the rope just goes out the door. You're like, well, where does that end? Obviously, he did that for a purpose. In our, in our perspective where we can see it from now, it doesn't. It just doesn't. And it's so big and it's so complicated that it's kind of mind-blowing. And I think that that's why Solomon comes back time after time. And he just says, okay, now that you're, I blew your mind, let's get really practical. And he's just saying, all right, dust to dust. This is where this comes from, actually, is in Ecclesiastes 3.20. And he's, he basically is talking about whether you're rich or poor or an animal or famous. You're, you're all going to give up your breath, and you're all going to end up in the same place. All are from the dust, and to dust all return. And he's just saying, you know, where does the animal spirit go? Where does the person's spirit go? Who knows? He doesn't answer that. We want the answers, but he doesn't. And then he just follows up that again about that mind-blowing, like, where does this all go? In 22, so I saw that there is nothing better than a man should rejoice in his work, for that is his lot. Who can bring him to see will be after him. And he's just like, well, there you go. You've got now, and you have right here. Do the best with that that you can. Dust in the wind. The earth is dust in the wind. That was not the birds. Yeah, that's Kansas. Kansas. uh, (laughs) But, you know, it's really, you know, it is fascinating. How many songs can you think of that came from these first couple verses? I can think of a super famous one that's uh, from chapter one, verse five. You know, the sun races around to come up behind you again. It's... 
it's um, these are eternal questions, and this is why Solomon deals with them, and he addresses some very practical things. There's some good one-liners in here, uh, chapter four. Uh, again, I saw vanity under the sun, four uh, seven. One person who has no other, either son or another, because there's no end to his toil, and his eyes are never satisfied with riches. So that he never asks himself, just like your story, Matt, for whom am I toiling and depriving myself of pleasure? This is vanity. Just like, why are we doing all the stuff? And then he gets into practical thing. Two are better than one, for they have a good reward for their toil. And he skips down. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. He's talking about friendship. Yeah. He's mm-hmm. like, okay, so there's all these meta, you know, metaphysical things, but, you know, friendship, food, work, these things are not beyond our scope to, to understand, comprehend, and, and practice. But the world, again, that definition that I've gone, given before, encourages us to strive for so much more than that. It's like the Instagram scrolling. There's there's the two famous kinds. There's doom scrolling, you know, because there's always something terrible that's going to happen, and we can always find the next disaster and wallow in that. Or we can look through in comparison, comparison being the thief of joy, find somebody who has an Instagram curated moment that looks prettier than our life does right now, and we think, oh, my life stinks compared to their life. Mm-hmm. And Solomon gives us some pretty practical advice on that. To just dial it back to where we can actually be. There were a couple of um, ideas that really jumped out at me in chapters five and six. So right at the beginning of chapter five, Solomon says, guard your steps when you go to the house of God. Mm -hmm. Go near to listen rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools who do not know what they do wrong. Well, what's that? Okay, well, he tells you. Do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. God is in heaven. You are on earth, so let your words be few. Mm-hmm. I like that. That's a nice little um, nice mm-hmm. little uh, check to kind of put you back in your place. And at the same time, that can be frustrating because we, we're so much the center of our own universe that we feel like we're more important than that. And maybe if we just explained our situation to God, he would finally understand what it is that we need and give it to us, right? No, he has a different perspective. What does Isaiah say? As the, high ends are, uh, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so is my what is it? So are my thoughts compared to your thoughts, you know, when God's talking about all that. Yeah. Um, but then... Throughout the rest of chapter five, like down in um, down in verse 18, it says, this is what I have, have observed to be good, that it is appropriate for a person to eat, to drink, find satisfaction in their toilsome labor under the sun during the few days of life God has given them, for this is their lot. Moreover, when God gives someone wealth and possessions and the ability to enjoy them, to accept their lot and be happy in their toil, this is a gift of God. They seldom reflect on the days of their life, which is what would lead to that sense of futility, right? They seldom reflect on the days of their life because God keeps them occupied with gladness of heart. Um, And then in the beginning of chapter six, he draws the counterpoint to that. I have seen another evil under the sun and it weighs heavily on mankind. 
God gives some people wealth, possessions, and honor so that they lack nothing their hearts desire, but he does not grant them the ability to enjoy them. So it's just, it's all, um, do you guys know who Simon Sinek is? Yeah. Yeah. He, he, um, he, he talks a lot about, he's like a workforce um, sort of modern day, modern society kind of educator, author kind of thing. And one of the observations that he makes about what, what he calls the millennial generation is that one of their highest goals when it comes to work is they want to do something meaningful. And, and it's interesting, I've watched him describe this in a live presentation, and he says, I want to do something meaningful, whatever that means, right? And that's the trick. Like, what does meaningful mean? Mm. Like, what does that mean? How do you put a finger on it? How do you quantify it so that you know when you've achieved it? Well, you can't. It's a feeling, right? And so, and I love that Solomon is bringing this out. Apparently, there's nothing new under the sun because Solomon said it long before Simon Sinek said it. And um, he's talking about, like, being able to enjoy the things that you have, whatever your lot is in life, being able to enjoy it is a gift from God. Yeah. Talk about meaningful work. I was just, you just, it triggered a memory in me from back when I was 16 years old. One of my first jobs, well, I had a paper route when I was starting when I was like 13, but when I turned 16, decided I needed to make some, a little bit better, better money because I had a car that needed gas and stuff like that. But, um, I worked at McDonald's. Had the you know the American dream, if you will, of working at McDonald's. Uh, I, I don't recommend it, but um, it was a really like heavy lunch hour. I don't, I don't think it was like a Sunday, and it was like crazy busy. And we're all just you just go 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 get the things out. Go you know I'm I'm running the cash register, running and grabbing hamburgers, putting them on the trays, filling the drinks, and if we finally we had a lull, and I took. It was like my eyes got opened up and I looked out and all of a sudden I realized the place is full of people, human beings eating lunch. And there was something that just that just that just tripped in my brain right then and realized all this work I have been doing. Um, this was for human beings. This is so people could, you know, enjoy their time with each other. This is so that they could, um, you know, have a meal together. And it was so weird that it, it uh, right then my concept of work changed from being just get it done to I'm doing this for somebody, uh, for, for you know, for somebody's benefit. Yeah. It gives you a purpose. It yeah. puts meaning onto it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was, you know, it's kind of sounds weird, you know? Yeah. I'm throwing French fries on a tray for you. But, um, but yeah, it was like all of a sudden I, it just, it just dawned on me that, I'm not just I'm not just standing here behind the counter throwing, you know, you know, you know, sticking food on a tray or, you know, sticking these things on a tray because there was just a point where it stopped even you, you when when you get into that zone, you, you don't even see the hamburger as being food. It's just product, you know, and you don't see the customers as people. They're just customers. And so, yeah, it, it I, I think it's so vital for us to look out you know stop and look out at what we're doing and seeing seeing the value in it beyond just um my paycheck beyond just getting a product out beyond just doing the service and understanding that we have our little place here has a value has a purpose has a meaning and the way we do it 
affects other people right now, you can make or break somebody's day with the way you perform your most menial tasks, you know? And I, I don't know. It's just so important just, just to kind of keep that perspective of understanding where we, 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 we are not, how does it put it? No man is an island. Yeah. You know? Yes. And, and we just, we, we, we are all here together. Well, Charles Dickens in, in uh, The Christmas Carol, one of my favorite books, probably my very favorite book, but talks about how we are all, I don't remember exactly the quote, but how we are all together in this thing. We are all fellow men on our way to the grave, and we're not just, uh, we're not just sitting here by ourselves with nothing, you know, with no, no care for one another. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that that's it. This would be, yeah, Solomon wrote this book, and it's a book of wisdom and all these other things, but it doesn't stand in isolation. You know, we have to look at this in the context of, we've studied the life of David, in his early days were, you know, some poetry and some, but there's a lot of hands-on, like, just living that that went down. And we look at the entire New Testament, um, and what does it look like if if he's if Solomon is talking about here about what the good of our life is and where is meaning, then we would expect to see that lived out in the the incarnate life of God on earth, Jesus. Well, what does that look like? And that's where we can take our cues and balance, not that they're they're opposed to each other because they don't think they are. But one informs the other. We can look at the life of Jesus and say, okay, through the life of Jesus, we look at Ecclesiastes, and what does that tell us? It tells us that living for self is not where it's at. It just mm-hmm. isn't. Is that we're given tasks to do that God can um, give us satisfaction in those things. I also believe that he also puts in our in our hearts a certain level of dissatisfaction, I think to stay where we were. And I think that's, I think that's God given. It's like, Hey, you could, you could do better. Not in a striving sense that, that, um, and that's where meaning will be found. That's a misinterpretation of that feeling. But I think God always wants us to do and be better, happier, deeper joy, better relationships, more impact on other people. And it doesn't mean that what we've done up until this point is meaningless. Is that he, he wants better for us. And we look at life through the life of Christ who lived a selfless and other centered life. Now I'm going through the book of Mark right now. Cause I'm moving those uh, commentary and so on from one, one copy of a Bible to another. And um, Jesus, he said over and over here about right here you go. This is in Mark uh, 10, 43. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For the, even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. I mean, that's what this incarnate life of God was about. And it wasn't about self, and it wasn't, and that is, that's the puzzle here, and that's why Jesus was rejected by the religious leaders of the day, is because they were into self, 
self-serving, self-aggrandizement, you know, political self-centeredness, all these other things. And Jesus said, no, 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 different kingdom. Servants are not for you. You are to be the servant. And it turned their world upside down and said, no, we like our world better and had to get rid of Jesus because he was pointing these things out. It's a real reality check as to where we are with our attitudes, with um, our objectives and strivings and goals. And again, looking at the Bible as a whole and, and looking and then looking at our own lives and saying, well, what does this mean for us? If I get this summit, uh, the big test that I passed this week, you know, and I've walked across the stage and gotten pieces of paper. And in fact, the last time I actually got a real degree, friends were like, are you going to stay for graduation? Like, no, I don't care. I'm just going to have a mail me the piece of paper. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And it ain't all that is, is the point is it is, it is smaller things that are the bigger things. It it is the small things that are the big things. It is, as Karen has said, is it's the impact one-on-one on somebody else's life. And Hey, if you can multiply that and do it times a hundred or times 10,000, Cool. Fine. But it's not about self. And everything in the world aims to say, if you make yourself happy, if you make yourself rich, if you make yourself famous, if you get all these followers. There's there's a guy on um, YouTube that I followed. I I got follow, found him when he had 200,000 followers. It's such good content. And he talked about, you know, work and all these other things. But he's been very transparent about his journey. And he's crossed 3 million subscribers on YouTube now. And one of his most recent things was like, hey, I struggle with with anxiety and depression. Like, wait a minute, 3 million followers didn't make you, you know, wildly ecstatic all the time? Well, we understand from reading Ecclesiastes and from our own lives, no, it doesn't. And he he was aware of that, but he was just being transparent, saying, hey, this isn't it. And if we don't stop and look at our own lives once in a while and and take evaluation of what is really valuable, we can end up getting sucked into basically sold sold a counterfeit. And we get it and we're like, this isn't this is not the thing. This does not give me satisfaction. And Solomon's warning us early. He's saying, no, that's not going to be it. Your beginning end and satisfaction is found in connection with God. You cannot escape that in the book of Ecclesiastes. Doesn't matter. Eat, drink, work, riches. It doesn't matter. If you do that separate from God and you do it for self, it will end up in nothing. Mm -hmm. So, Tracy, like when I think about what you do for a living, Mm -hmm. I think of the positive impact that you have the possibility to have every day on multiple people. Right. So, like I, I see your life and the way you've used education to get yourself where you are, you know, those credentials are required in order to be able to have impact at that level. That's the way the earth is set up. But when I think about your life, the the good that I see is your ability to interact with people like that and have that impact. And, and in order to do that, the tools that you need are the degrees that you've gotten. Sure. I, I could see that. Yeah, that's that's kind of like how I perceive that. Yep, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, I think that it's it's a means to an end to be able to mm-hmm. to talk to people mm-hmm. to to be a positive impact. And you know, I think too, I, even even what we're doing now, 
it's it's given me such a, a much wider base to talk to people, you know, and we, we half heartedly joke about it. It's like, oh, our one or two listeners. But, you know, I always think of that one commercial and it's been quite a few years ago where, you know, one will tell their friend and then you two and it just keeps on building on itself exponentially. You yeah. know, that's what we have the ability to do. And I think I think that's once we get to that point that, you know, what, if we just touch one life, it could it could be vastly multiplied. And, you know, reminding myself that every single day and, you know, and people might think it sounds cliche, but there is not a day that that, that goes by that my first morning prayer is, you know what, Lord, work with me, work with me with each and every patient that I see. Give me the the tools and the knowledge that I need to be a positive impact. Yes. And, you know, I think I think that's 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 what I need every single morning and our group that we have here that's what it's you know afforded me and and allowed me to see that you know what that this is what I this is what I need this is a study that I need this is the interaction that I need and and like we say every you know at the beginning of a few of the the episodes it's like this is what we choose to do you know we wake up early on Saturday or Sabbath morning and we come together Yep, and to our listeners, I'm just also reading uh, elsewhere. Your impact and who you talk to and what you say could be far, far, far greater than you imagine. Mm-hmm. So, just a quick, quick question here: Do you remember the first best missionary of Christ's kingdom outside of uh, John, of of Jesus's, the first best missionary? Woman at the well. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's a woman. Okay, right there in that society, she was already like, it's serious. How could it be a woman? And she's an immoral woman. She's married how many times? And the guy she's with, she's not married to. And she's like, and she went back and basically rounded up her whole town and made an impact everywhere for her. And according to the disciples' standards and their their matrix for the day, she would have been like the last person conceivable worthy of of attention or talking to. And yet she was Jesus's best disciple. She, she beat, she beat all of the work that they had done early on, all of his actual disciples. And so to, to those who are listening out there, the impact that you could have on people that you know could be more profound than you could imagine. And Jesus can use you to touch someone around you that none of us can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So many years ago, when I lived in Alaska, I owned a natural health clinic, and I really enjoyed my work there. I felt like I was kind of in my sweet spot. I felt like I was right within my strengths, and I would and and a, and a lot of my clients told me, you know, you've missed your calling. Like you need to go back to school and get your master's in psychology. Like you've missed your calling. And here we are, years and years and years later, and I still get contacted by people who were my clients at that time. And they still tell me that one comment you made changed how I viewed my life. That one comment you made changed how I talked to my spouse. That one thing you said, that one question you asked me, blah, blah, blah. Like you don't know what your impact is. If the Holy Spirit tells you to say something, open your mouth. Just do it, you know, and you might be have what you believe is the smallest, most ineffectual position in the world. But if you're willing, God will use you right where you sit. 
to just do his work. Yeah, and it doesn't always take grand sweeping gestures. We want to do those things. We want the grand sweeping gestures. They feel big and we want to do something big. So that feels right. But that isn't what's required. No. That's not what Solomon talks about. The stuff that Solomon talks about doing, they are in. Look, eating, okay, raise your hand if you can't eat. Pretty much you can all do that, right? I could eat right now. I love eating. I plan on it shortly. (laughs) You know, and and work. We all can work doing something. He, Solomon doesn't qualify this. He, he doesn't say you, you need, you know, an advanced degree. He just says work. And in some places he says labor um, and, and connection with others. The things that Solomon says matter most in life are within arm's reach of all of us. It isn't some esoteric thing that we require to to have satisfaction and to live in harmony with what God's plan is. That's an amazing thing. Work with what you've got right now. Doesn't hurt. It does. It's not a bad thing to strive for more. It's not a bad thing. But kind of the point that it seems Solomon was really making is that, you know, what you've got right now is good, too. Yeah. And and um, you don't. It, it's it's. You don't have to spend your life trying for more, mm-hmm. more, more, more. That's the point. You know, he's just it's it's not all about more, more, more. It's what are you going to do with what you've got right now? Because what you do right now is what, you know, this is what's really important, especially for your own life. Setting things up for when you're gone. Well, sounds good. But I mean, really, you won't know one way or the other. You won't know one way or the other. You know. you know, Paul Paul has an interesting way of, of describing this in the New Testament. It's in Colossians. I, th- I think it's in Colossians. He says, um, I can't remember the exact words, but it's something to the effect of whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as if you're working for God, not for human masters. And yeah. that's, that is essentially what Solomon's getting at in this entire book of human reality. It's like right. if you, if all you're doing it for is you, you've missed the point. You know, yep. lift your gaze a little higher. Do it. Do everything as small or as large as it is. Do everything as if you're working for God. Take and and for for people who have to punch a clock and maybe they don't want to take the human masters out of the equation. They're the ones that sign your paycheck, but they're not necessarily the purpose. Yeah. On that note, I think we should. You're gonna... <laughs> At least a good, you know, 15 seconds. We needed that. <laughs> we'll see what the copyright people have to say about that one. We'll ask we'll ask forgiveness. Full disclosure, we did not write that song. We did not write that song. <laughs> Solomon might have, but we definitely did not. Can you copyright something that Solomon wrote 2008? Yeah. So what do we got for next week, Matt? So next week we are going to continue and finish the book of Ecclesiastes. We will read chapters 7 through 12. We will give Solomon the opportunity to finish his thoughts before we finish them all for him. (laughs) And uh, it's going to be good. More, More deep thoughts with Solomon. While you're waiting for that, you can reach out to us at attbpodcast at theadventure.org. Look for us on Facebook, 
And make sure to share this podcast with your friends and family and neighbors so that you can spread that influence through your little actions. Uh, We look forward to talking to you again next week. Thanks for listening. Thank you.